0: Hello everyone, welcome to King's Talk presented by Caps the Crown. This is Tony. With me, as always, we've got John. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's finally October. Media Day happened yesterday. The first preseason game is on Saturday. Kings basketball is closer than ever, and man, I'm excited for it. John? Well, I, I,
1: I know that that's all fine and dandy. That's all nice to get excited about. But um, considering people are here for us and not the Kings... I think the big uh, thing to commemorate here is the fact that we're on episode 69, which is a milestone for reasons that speak for themselves.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Episode has a good episode to be on, to start the season on. Yeah. So if you ever wonder like, oh, how do I listen to King's talk? I just want to listen about the 2023, 2024 season. You start with 69.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a great point. That's right. Yeah,
1: get this video kicked off of YouTube starting out that way. But <laughs> here we are, Media Day. Anything stand out to you off the bat? Uh, anything stand off to me? No. Yeah, Media Day is always a little dry. And Media Day. Okay,
0: well, let me say something that stands off the bat. Or
1: we can talk shit about Media Day first. Yeah, let's do it. It's
0: just how like <laughs> it's not that impressive. It's just like okay, let's ask some questions. Let's have some generic responses. Like I don't know, I don't find it that exciting. At least the interviews—I'm not sure how many of you actually watch the interviews—and like some of them are actually not too bad, but some are just like just generic question, generic answer. Like I'm not—this doesn't really get me excited. It's more the sense like, oh, it's Media Day—that means training camps in a couple days. That means preseasons, even you know, it's close as well. So I mean, that's what kind of Media Day. Um, it represents something. represents that, but, but it itself kinda... in itself it's it's pretty boring. You have you know guys dribbling between their legs, getting photos taken of them.
1: <laughs> the most <laughs> generic photos every yeah. year. Journalists asking questions, repeating words like continuity, uh, in and out. A lot of in and out questions. A lot of uh, yeah,
0: a lot of. Uh,
1: you have in and out yet, Sasha Vizinkov? Huh? It's so, really good for you. So how, yeah.
0: How was, the, uh, how was the how was the how's that Warrior series uh, affect you going into this year? Do
1: you still have nightmares about it? Yeah, exactly. Like no, like <laughs> I like I think what Kevin Herter said. says, like I don't have, like a poster on my wall about it. <laughs> like no, <laughs> Kevin Herter is a great embodiment of just like how players should be, just like focused on the here and now, and just kind of giving a nice smirk when someone asks a silly question, which everybody's bound to do.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, it is media day, man. As much as, you know, as unexciting as it is, the actual material, as it can be, we're here to talk about it.
1: We are. And I think the thing that stands out the most is the news that Kevin Herter himself broke and it got talked about. And I think Fox gave a little more specific details about it. Sasha Vizinkov has been impressing people at pickup games and at practices and whatnot. In fact, he broke a shooting drill record. I think Fox said he missed 7 out of 150 shots. And we're bad at math if you've listened to the podcast before. But I do believe I've double-checked with the calculator. If Fox is indeed correct, that would be 143 out of 150 made.
0: Yeah, which is crazy. I mean, (laughs) I'm assuming they're three-pointers. Yes. Which would be crazy in itself. I mean, just jump shots in general would be crazy. But as I was saying earlier, behind the scenes... I just layups.
1: <laughs> he just starts at the three-point line. Yeah, he just said the one misses was- seven straight. <laughs> yeah. He's like, "All right, I'm just going right up to the basket." Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, but no, everyone's hailing his shooting. Um, I mean, they didn't. I'm assuming they're three-point shots that they said he made one forty-three out of one fifty from. It's incredible. I mean, everyone is just praising it, and I mean that's kind of like. The hype, that was Sasha Vizinkov, and it seems like he's in sack now. He's, I mean, it's definitely not in a game yet or anything, but it sounds like it's translating in the States yeah. to this point.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, I think, you think about this team, there's Kevin Herter, you know, uh, Keegan Murray, Malik Monk. There's all sorts of very good shooters on it. And I thought was telling them, Domas Sabonis was like, yeah, zenkov's probably the best shooter on the team.
0: Yeah, which is crazy, considering you have... Herder and Murray.
1: Yeah. And it's just like, you hear Fox talk about it. like He gets locked in and it just gets to a zone where it's like the net's not even moving. Yeah.
0: See he was like, Fox was on it. He yeah. like, dude.
1: And obviously they, I mean, it's not just even just about the shooting. I don't remember who it was, but someone said like his defense looks pretty good in practice. Doesn't look bad. Cause that's obviously a question that we, and a lot of other people had about it. And You ask Visenkov about it. He's like, it's a challenge. It's going to be one of those kind of like things that will have to get better. But to hear from his teammates that there's a baseline there that looks pretty good. I mean, there's not, I mean, that starts eliminating concerns and questions that you're going to have for any player that's coming over, coming over from overseas. But I don't know, man. Fysenkov sounds like everything is just going in the right direction the way it should be. And some people anticipated that. Maybe that's optimistic. But when you're hearing it from his teammates... It's nice. And it's not like it's coming from Mike Brown, who's like he'll say something nice about someone and you're like, okay, kinda of puffing that up a little. Yeah. Um, no, I mean I'm I hate,
0: I'm, and we got not the craziest pickups this year, but for guys who are new to the team, like McGee and Duarte and I don't even know, even I guess a rookie like Colby Jones. Um, I mean, who's not excited for Sasha? You know, he I'm especially seeing his highlights and I'm (laughs) sad to say it's all I've seen of his really are his highlights because I've never watched him in a game but um man from what I've seen in his highlights it's impressive and it sounds like he's kind of backing that up already so I'm I'm really really just ready for that preseason game too yeah to see him shoot there and like how they're going to use him too because they did ask him it's like hey what's your role going to be and he's like, I don't know. Like, I'll, I'm ready for anything. And I think we all kind of know what his role is going to be, stretch four kind of guy. Maybe more so what Murray was doing last year, mm-hmm. I think. But I mean, if he can hit what Murray and Herter were doing last year for the
1: DHOs, they yeah. asked Donmas about that. And it's just like, I was thinking about them, like that height, that high shooting release and quick. Man, that might be the most dangerous one. Yeah. He's a good rebounder too. He led he led Euroleague
0: in rebounding.
1: Yeah, players. I watched a few of his a few of the playoff games for Olympiacos and a few other games. But he is like the type of guy too, where it's just like you can tell he's a leader out there. And it's just crazy. You don't even have to see him shoot a shot. I think I was watching a game where he I, don't, I think he may have made one three, and I don't even think he got a lot of attempts off because these like on inbounds plays, there's like three guys revolving around him. There's so much focus on how good of a shooter he is, and it's just like you start thinking about spacing and whatnot. Obviously you combine him with guys like Murray and Herbert on the floor and, you know, that, uh, that's gonna be a handful. Yeah. Involved. And you get that rebounding, that IQ, which definitely translated in watching some of the games that I did. Cause the shooting wasn't in the games that I watched, they were really trying to limit Vysenkov on outside shots and whatnot. But it's just like the way he can impact the game is it's, it's, it's well-rounded. Yeah. And, um, I think everybody was excited about Vasenkov, but you just kind of hear these rave reviews from his teammates, from his guys. And again, and the other thing that's just like you saw it at the post game, not the post game, the uh, introductory press conference. And we saw it in his interview today. He's just down to earth. He just seems like he's got such a good head on his shoulders. He's ready for anything. He was the best player on his continent. And he's coming here. He's like, I'm ready for anything. Okay. Yeah. Two That's years great. in a
0: row, right? He's back to back Euro League MVP.
1: I think he was Euro MVP, Euro League MVP this year, but and then he was back to back Greek league MVP. Greek league, okay. GBL baby. You're right.
0: Um which is, you know, still awesome. Yeah, I mean I'm really excited to have him over here. Um I think we all are.
1: Oh, yeah, I know. With the Metu jersey that you have, you're gonna have to put tape over the back and put Vizinkov. Is he? Is he number seven? Yeah, oh, that's funny. It's when I was
0: like doing my uh, uh, the Photoshop, my Photoshop. Photoshop, my jersey swaps, I definitely used Metu's jersey. So I'm glad it worked out.
1: <laughs> that's, that's nice.
0: I called it. So Cap City Crown reported it first.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, In a uniform he'll never wear, because it was like this. it was great. Yeah, because now it's all the new ones. Okay. Well, well, if you want to look at Sasha Vizankov in the uh, gray uniform, The
0: gray cities. And if you also want to see the new City Edition leaks, uh, mm-hmm. check out our Instagram page at Sat Kingstock. Um, you'll see the new City Editions for this year, kind of like the old uh, Royals uniforms, um, but not too much on that.
1: Yeah, you should contact Trey Lyles. Try to get in on that book club.
0: Yeah, Trey Lyles starting a book club. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't read, but uh, shoot, I might start to be... Uh,
1: the only but, thing uh, Tony reads is my articles. Yeah. He's and, like, this is bad. you got to rewrite this. <laughs> hey, dude, can you come into my office? <laughs> I drive three hours to come to you. <laughs> um,
0: but another guy I'm kind of excited about, and I've already kind of mentioned, uh, who, had, who was kind of funny at media day was JaVel McGee. Yeah, um, it was enjoyable to watch him. It was, and I, I was kind of skeptical, and I think we were a little skeptical of how the Kings brought in McGee, and then just like, all right, McGee's our guy, see you, Kata. see you, Noel, without even seeing, him in, seeing seeing them in training camp. And um, I mean, it's, it was only a media day interview, but he kind of, like, it seems like he brings in that veteran presence into something we lost in Della Vidova. I mean, he's our oldest player on our team now. Um, in front of Barnes by probably what five years I think Barnes yeah I is think thirty Barnes thirty, on 30. one yeah
1: and then thirty five going on thirty six for McGee yeah so he just seems like he's here
0: I mean I don't I don't think he would be here unless the Kings made the playoffs last year but I mean that's what winning does you know even though McGee's not like that biggest player anymore but I mean he's been around three championships isn't nothing you know he's been around the block and he's definitely a winner in his time in the league so far so. I mean, I'm not expecting big things from McGee this year, but I'm, he he even said it. He's like, I, I have a habit of bringing teams together. It's not like the teams need that, but mm-hmm. I mean, a good veteran in the locker room and who can actually probably play productive minutes off the bench.
1: Yeah. Like, I'm kind of excited for him now. Yeah, he was just cool. That's all it was. Yeah. He just came off as very cool and collected. and um, It's one of those things where the concerns and the questions about the whole center thing and the backup competition getting scrapped and whatnot. That's never been a condemnation of McGee. It's more of just like the King's going about this the right way. And you do kind of get that first exposure to McGee and he's just going in there and he's, he's a guy that's going to come in do his work, do things for the team, both on and off the floor. I mean, whatever happens, it's going to be just one of those things where it's like, this guy is a nice addition. And listening to him talk and listening to, Things and kind of being reminded of the guy he is and uh, in the locker room, on the bench, on the floor and whatnot. It's like he does offer a lot of things that Nairland Noel could never dream of offering. Yeah. And um, so he really kind of it, – it's not like he took the heat off himself because, I mean, like McGee, we kind of know what we're going to see out of McGee for the most part. I mean, it'll be a little interesting with different defensive scheme as opposed to what he was used to – not used to, but what they were doing in Dallas under Jason Kidd last season. It's, it, it, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's it's good to see him kind of come off and just be like, you know, Jason Anderson's asking him a question. He's like, I'm not sure I understand that question. Yeah. He <laughs> just, like, <I> <laughs> <laughs> just, he uh, brings a very good presence to the team and uh, people keep talking about like how confident they are this year and whatnot. And it's just like to have that kind of bookend steadying force. It's It's, it's nice. And to see it. Mm-hmm. to really experience it yourself yeah for the first time and um keep it on JaVale there I mean Davion Mitchell said an interesting thing he was like well JaVale adds something to the team not just in what he'll be able to do potentially as a backup center or not just what he can do as a championship guy a, a motivator but think about what he does in practice you know you have him going up against you know Sabonis in practice and That's going to make Sabonis better. He's got a little bit more of an agile center that has terrific size, can rebound and block and all this stuff. You'll have to deal with that. And he kind of noted that, obviously it's not to the same degree, like having Fox be guarded by Mitchell and having Mitchell have to guard Fox, that's like clearly like two things rubbing up against each other and sharpening each other to a degree that's like probably stronger than any other like positional matchup on the team. But to hear that point... And I don't think it was shaded Alex Lynn or anything like that. But to add that kind of element, because you think about it, you had Alex Lynn, Rashawn Holmes, and Chemezi Metu going up against Sabonis in practice. You had one guy in Alex Lynn that was probably playing, motivated, and playing a position that he actually should be playing. Because I don't know if Holmes was all the way there mentally. And I don't think Chemezi Metu is really a five. Yeah. So it's like, not only is McGee, again, doing stuff on the floor, doing stuff in terms of you know, uh, intangibles with his teammates. But it's like, to hear that it's like, well, that's making Domas better. That gives him new challenges to kind of deal with. That, yeah. That's going to open up all sorts of different And
0: things. And building off that, something Mitchell said was that, like, McGee has played meaningful minutes in this league uh, during his career so far. And he's like, he's played against the Jokic's. I, I'm pretty sure he said Jokic and just other NBA centers. And he can kind of teach Domas too. It's like, hey, like, in practice when he's guarding him, it's like, hey, like this move didn't work, but guess what? Like Jokic used this move against me, it worked on me. Like probably worked against other people too. Yeah. Instead of spinning left, spin right on this I don't know, you know? No, I so definitely just coaching like that. Just like he's been around. He's seen a, he's seen it all. Yeah. So it's, it's like it's he, almost
1: just like we Del Vidova was like a player coach. Yeah. But like that's mm-hmm. not the same position. That's mm-hmm. not he's not he's not even he'd been out of the league for a little bit. You know? Yeah. So it's like McGee really is kind of a he's almost like a player coach as well but it's like a specific player coach yeah it's like that's my running backs coach I'm a running back that kind of stuff yeah it's nice you're really going to get great insight from him so I mean McGee almost walked away from walking away from this media day aside from Sean Cunningham I think McGee was the star (laughs) yeah
0: I would say so (laughs) Sean Cunningham's uh just very thought-provoking
1: questions we call them the Zingers, when you the question. <laughs> but we wouldn't have found out about the book club if uh, Cunningham wasn't paying attention to that. So Yeah, I mean... Cunningham is a, an online guy. He's very cunning. He's a very online man. <laughs> he's cunning. Another thing that was kind of brought up a lot, uh, yeah. or maybe not brought up a lot, but something that surfaced, something that stood out. Not only in his interview, not only in Mike Brown's interview, but just, I think Lyles was talking about it, maybe even Barnes. Just like, Fox's leadership we already know that he's kind of the leader of this team and we're expecting him to do stuff this year. We were talking about MVP type conversation last week, but maybe the real question is, is just like his improvement as a leader being more vocal and whatnot. And um, I don't know. That's just, it that sounds really good. And I think Mike Brown has done a, just a terrific job of kind of like encouraging that. Like I want to hear Fox and Sabonis talk and Fox is the type of guy that in that year where they traded for Sabonis and whatnot, you're talking about him being dejected. Or Those were the reports. I don't know. Um, but ever since then, he's just been more and more vocal and whatnot and speaks in a way that people listen to. And It's like even when he says these kind of like platitudes that you get on media day, it's like, yeah, okay, you hear that. You're going to hear that all the time. But it's coming from Fox. Yeah. And he says it in a way that is just, I don't have an example off the top of my head, but it's, it's just, he says it in a way that you're like, oh, that's, he's speaking for the team mm-hmm. and that's, that's a collective kind of opinion. He's really kind of a, uh, uh, a representative of that. And I don't know. I mean, that might be the most exciting thing to see because not only is that going to be what that does for, for Fox, but the guys around him and, um, as a unit that's just going to, cause this is a team that too, that you think about the, like, I think you know, you talk about the defensive end uh, or anything. It's like this team was a little bit better on the road. You know, they 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 did good when 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 challenges were, were faced with them when those challenges were there. And then when you're at home and maybe it's a game that's not super tough and whatnot, they kind of let things go. They give up 125, 30 points or whatever, and then they don't look great. And it's like it's there where Fox, where he's just when he says something. That was me hitting my hand um when he said <laughs> that's not me insinuating fox is gonna hit people but <laughs> if he gotta do what he's gonna do it's just like i feel like that crack of the whip i mean you, your coach can only do so much and fox I mean, uh, mike brown has said that a lot you know at a certain point a coach can only sit there and cross his legs and see if they can go out there and do the things that were taught to them and fox is the point on that and um i don't know I that's a lot of rambling there but I mean, Fox, I mean,
0: it was a big focal point, right? Going into last season, is is Fox going to step up as the leader? And, I mean, we can have this debate for hours of who's the better player, Sabonis or Fox. But I think at the end of the day, it's Fox's team. He was here first. Um, He's been here, and he seems loyal to the squad. It's his team. He's the Clutch Player of the Year. And so it's just nice to see him actually step up. And if you want anyone, I mean... I guess driving the team it's Fox and yeah. to, you know, be that guy to motivate them. It's Fox's job and it sounds like he's doing that now.
1: They should take the dial I mean, pod pad off his jersey and it should be a C. He should get a captain. Uh, he should get a captain. He really badge. should. I would love that. That'd match. be so cool. Fox with the
0: captain's badge. First one since probably Tiny Archibald. Yeah. I don't know. Do they no. even do season basketball ever? I want to say someone just got one. Hmm. I want to say someone just got a captain's badge. That's cool. I know. Same with like baseball with uh, Jeter. He's mm-hmm. the last one I can think of. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. That's a good question. That That's just, I mean, I wonder why they thought. I mean, you assume some people are like very deserving of that. Yeah.
1: I mean, like, obviously you shouldn't. It's not like football where you have to have like six, but it's like every once in a while you should bestow that upon somebody. Yeah.
0: Captain's badge, NBA. Chris Paul had one in New Orleans.
1: That makes sense. And that's another kind of situation. That was his freaking team. Yeah. You know, he got that team, you know, challenging the Spurs in the playoffs and whatnot. And I don't know. I mean, like, it's just one of those things where it's just like Fox is just such a. Such David
0: a, West had a C on that team, too.
1: Really? Yeah. They were just hand out those Cs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, maybe one. Keep it to one. No, but I mean, I mean, maybe they don't want to give one to Fox because they feel like, what does that say about the bonus? All that yeah, stuff? maybe it gives of off like, a different it, optic it, or it something. Does. But um, yeah, and I guess they don't have room with room for it with all the advertising that they do in this league. I know, Dial about What is
0: Dial Pad? It's
1: a good question. Um, but I, you know
0: what, I do like the dialed Pad logo better than Blue Diamond
1: Almonds. Blue thats just an eyesore. It was it's too colorful. As much as I like blue diamond, I love so cool. I love almonds. Yeah, great. My family, my my grandfather was an almond farmer up in Maxwell. It's one of those things, but it's like blue diamond.
0: Get outta you. It just they just <laughs> needed to redo their logo for like a jersey. Mm-hmm. Just do it all white or something. It just it didn't look good.
1: Yeah, who well, like. I feel like they do a good job of that kind of keeping it. The dial pad? I think the dial pad looks good. And then like other ones too. I can't think of any team that has like an obnoxious colored one that's like just not even their team colors. Yeah,
0: I know. I'm trying to think.
1: I don't know. The the blue diamond was just very. It was an
0: eyesore. It's, it's
1: a good way to put it. <laughs> it was
0: awful. It's
1: like what they should have had. If they're gonna have it be that color and be the logo, and not should I have a little zipper on it, like almonds. <laughs> <laughs> it's like at the free throw line, like get some protein in me. <gasps> <laughs> it'd be kind of cool That's all but I think Dialpod is like it's like a web services thing or something like that so it's not even like an actual like hard product no like, I think it's like I mean I think I kind of do know what it is it's almost like
0: Skype in a way like you use it for work Ah, so like
1: communication like Slack You're, you ever know. been on Slack? no Neither. Have I. All right. And you talk to people in the tech industry and they're always like, yeah, I was on Slack and somebody sent a picture of their. Never mind. Um, Slackramento. Slackramento. The Slackramento Kings.
0: Comment here if you went to Slack State, as they call it. Slack State. <laughs> Slack
1: State. Do they really call it that? <laughs> yeah. Stingers up, bro. We're slacking.
0: Stingers up. Sac State, though, they got a good football team. They're
1: killing it. They've had one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't fucking know anything about it, but.
0: <laughs> they were good last year. They're good this year. Yeah. Haven't watched the game.
1: Didn't um
0: their running back went to he transferred it Arizona? Okay, either, moving either, on up. Either Arizona or ASU, yeah. That's I think cool. it was
1: Arizona. Didn't uh wasn't the coach before the coach that's there, I might cut this, but wasn't it Spurbeck?
0: Yeah, yeah. Spurbeck. And um their coach last year, who had like, a good season, he went to Stanford. That's right. And yeah. then Sac State beat Stanford like two weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. It was kind of fun. That's
1: wild. Yeah, it was pretty wild. That is crazy. They're, Stanford's going like, we should just we should just move to Sacramento.
0: It's so funny. Stanford, I feel like in football, are either like hella good. Or they suck. Or they're just awful. Yeah. There's like no in between. Yeah, that's They're true. either like leading the Pac-12 or they're just at the bottom of the Pac-12. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's true. Which is probably, we did, um, who was who was that coach that was there forever? I don't, remember. I don't know. This isn't a college football. But no, no, we're, <laughs> no. we're going to keep it on college football. I have another point. To okay, yeah, go about the Pac-12.
0: I guess Arizona State breaks the stereotype, but you notice like all the state schools in the Pac-12 suck. Like, it's never Washington State. That's the better Washington school. True. Never Oregon
1: State. I mean, sometimes Washington State's better than Washington. Really? Yeah, because Mike Leach coached Washington State.
0: Washington State,
1: but I'm- Huskies. No, no, Washington University, Washington of Washington Huskies. Huskies. We, they're the Wildcats. Clay Thompson went there. <laughs> yeah, he did. He and somebody else went there. That's like a Northern California player. I think can't think.
0: Where did uh, Markel Foltz go? I don't know. I have I no idea. Say he went
1: to Washington. Washington is probably definitely regarded as the better program. No doubt, as a better school. But there have been, I think, there are have been times where Washington State's been pretty. Decent. I feel
0: like when AS, ASU's. Usually better than Arizona, too. Uh, in football? Yeah.
1: Um, I think Sun so. Sun Devils yeah, over the... I think so.
0: No, it's the Arizona Wildcats. they are two Wildcats? Yeah, there's a lot
1: of Wildcats. Um,
0: so, Washington State Wildcats and the Arizona Wildcats?
1: Yeah, there's a couple other. I think there's a couple other college teams. Like, um, Well, I mean,
0: yeah, but in the same division. Is Northwestern
1: the Wildcats, too? Then probably. Or did, like, something?
0: I don't know. Or, what's or, uh, Oregon State
1: Beavers? That's kind of nice. <laughs> that's a creative <laughs> Oregon Ducks Shaq State Hornets Cal Stanford The Cal Bears
0: The Cal Bears The Stanford Cardinals how, Okay I have a question Yeah um, How come Cal gets to be called Cal and every other UC Like it's UCLA I, I, I It's not UCB That's a
1: great question And I've never looked into that But that's a great point University of California. They just call it University of California. They never say University of California Berkeley. Yeah. University of California fucking, you know, Irvine or whatever. I mean, Davis could technically be called
0: Cal at that point. Yeah, they
1: could. <laughs> what if they just started doing that?
0: <laughs> I just, like, why, why do they
1: get the nickname Cal? I just I just don't get it. I don't know. We, gotta, we got a lot of petitions to put out there. We got to get Fox a C on his jersey. Yeah. We got to get Trey Lyle's doing his book club partnership with Cap City Crown mm-hmm. on Instagram. And we got to freaking figure out what the hell's going on with Cal. Yeah. Well, wow, that only killed five minutes.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, next player on uh, media day.
1: Anything stand? You have somebody in mind?
0: Uh, no.
1: Do you? Well, we were talking about JaVale McGee and this is a little, since we're kind of coming off a lighthearted topic, let's keep it on a lighthearted topic. Who do you think is funnier, Malik Monk or JaVale McGee? They're very different, a little slightly different humor. I mean, Malik Monk today was a little funny though. Because yeah,
0: I'm gonna write, yeah, he was. And listen to the interview.
1: Um, <laughs> or we can spoil it. Because <laughs> everybody's talking, everybody's talking about how much the kings are a family and whatnot. And they were talking about like, everybody's having kids and whatnot. Like, and they asked Monk about that. And he's like, well, I got a dog. And she just turned one. And she just had her first period. <laughs> like, like he, he said that. Yeah, he, it was he so did. funny. It was hilarious. <laughs> Crack me up.
0: Yeah, I mean, he is funny. I mean McGee,
1: I mean... McGee's I mean, got a coolness to him. We, we, I mean, they know, both do.
0: And we, but we also know JaVel McGee and his shack in a full, uh, you know, legacy. I'm going to have to give it to Monk right now just because he's been here longer. But, I think Monk is funnier. Yeah. But I don't know. McGee, the, Jason Anderson did ask that question. I, I, I don't remember what he asked, but JaVale was like, yeah, what's the question there?
1: I well, I feel like it's JaVale. Like, it's the same. That was almost the same way. His him being honest it, 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 it's I mean, like, it's it like, was being honest. it's similar to him being on the floor he's like one of the funniest players in the league he's not trying to be funny yeah it's unintentionally funny but it's still funny yeah I know that's true
0: so I, I mean you have a funny squad
1: everyone likes a funny guy so we'll see yeah I was uh, hope Harrison Barnes is going to cry well I, it was funny we were watching the Harrison Barnes interview and I'm like yeah, there's just something about Harrison Barnes that feels like he's lacking in sense of humor and then like two minutes into the interview he's like they asked him about Trey Lyles, who he's buddies with. He's like, "Well, I don't know. If we're friends. Like, he all of a sudden got hella funny. He's like, he didn't invite me to that book club. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, HB, prove me wrong. HB
0: signed a new contract. He's just a funny guy now. He's
1: just yeah. He's like, this is probably my last big contract. I can just let it all line now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whatever. All right, here we go. But HB forty, baby. Eight, HB forty. My favorite band. Um, there's a lot of talk about physicality on defense, and in terms of improving the defense, you got to improve the physicality. A lot of people are talking about how the defense looked good in the playoffs because they rose to the challenge of being physical. That was obviously a physical series. Screw with the DHO game for the Kings, mm-hmm. but they stepped up in terms of physicality. And they're talking about how they have to play physical all the time. One of Mike Brown's central you know, commandments is playing physical defense without fouling. That's the key to playing defense. Can it improve enough to make the team better? And if it can't, can the team get better with a better offense? Um the physicality question is really remains to be seen. Yeah, that's I mean, tough.
0: That's a tough question to ask and answer.
1: That's what I leave them for you. Yeah, I'm like I'm just going to set Tony up for a question that's probably impossible to answer because I don't have an answer. Yeah. But it's one of those things where it's like if they are going to improve, the defense has to improve. I mean, the offense can get better. I mean, we're talking about Zinckov, and clearly you're adding another guy that is going to be able to be thrusted in there to the DHO game, the floor spacing game. And it's like him, Duarte. That's it in terms of adding shooting. But it's like that's better than Terrence Davis. <laughs> you know, you add some improvements from other guys around. Maybe De'Aaron Fox sees an improvement. Hopefully, Davion Mitchell sees an improvement. You got a, more spacing, more outside shooting, more options. The offense could get better, and it could improve the team feasibly. But it's just like they got to be better on defense. They're a bottom I mean, third in defense uh, last season.
0: Yeah, it is. So you have to be better on
1: defense, and they clearly have it in them. They played stretches where they've been one of the best defenses in a certain span of games. You look at the road defense; they were one of the top ten teams in road defense. And it's just like it's there. How do you get it out of them? Yeah. And so, hopefully, that playoff series was enough to just kind of be like, oh, that's the standard procedure we have to bring.
0: Well, I mean, okay.
1: I mean, bringing it back on another Media Day interview, well, let's
0: just cut over to Mike Brown. and I mean, his main topic during his interview, it sounded like um, the enemy of great is gut. Yeah, he said it like
1: four times. He said it four times. but I mean, <laughs> it, I
0: think it answers your question very well. It's like... I mean, everyone everyone in the NBA and the teams, most teams are on that good level. But it's like, to be great, Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's for the Kings. If they want to be great, they have to step up on defense every possession. I think a couple, I forget if it was Brown or just various players, but they're like, yeah, we have to bring it on defense. Yeah, Mitchell
1: said there were a couple of times where we yeah, took plays it, off.
0: It was Mitchell. He's like, plays or games or just whatever. He's mm-hmm. like, sometimes we were great, sometimes we just got lazy and... We didn't step up until we needed to, and it was too late then. So it's like bringing that intensity, because they have it. They they clearly have it in them. It's just, I mean, they can play good defense. Yeah. But do they do they have it in them to play that great defense on a consistent basis and not take plays off or, yeah, you know, like, oh, shoot, now we're down 10 with five minutes left. Let's step it up now. Yeah.
1: And it's too late. Get so, your work done early. Which is another one of principles of one of the other principles on the defensive end for Mike Brown. And it's like, at the end of the day, Mike Brown and Jody Fernandez can only do so much scheming. They can only do so much, you know, pointing things out to players. At the end of the day, as we said earlier, the, Mike Brown's got a good philosophy on being a coach. There's only so much you can do with being a coach. And a lot of it comes down to them. And, you know, they have the experience now that they know what it takes in terms of, I mean, you you get work done early. You, you go hard from the beginning. You play it out all the way through. If they can put it all together, man, I mean, like, geez. I mean, if you it's do have one really of the best offenses go. in the league, again, it's just like you get a defense that home away doesn't matter. Just on average is in the middle of the league. Like, damn. That's good. Because that's like, it's almost hard to actually come up with. In terms of offense, it's kind of hard to come up with a team that's going to be better than them. Yeah, the Suns are loaded with firepower, but let's see how that all works out. Yeah. You know, they, they got more balanced with that whole Lillard trade, which is another thing I guess we could talk about. But um at the end of the day, it's like the Kings, and people, that's another word that got brought up a lot, continuity. Um But... You know they're going to be able to hit the ground running. It took them like ten games to figure things out, rotations, how things are done, like all this stuff playing together. And I think it kind of obviously that's going to help the offense be unleashed. But you have to look at that too defensively. They closed out the season. I mean the they played pretty decent defense in the def, in the uh, in the playoffs. Can they carry that back on over? And it's like I don't have any answers for this, but it's just like. You know, it's it, it, it's on the players. And that's almost like why it's so important for Fox to be, like, such a leader.
0: Yeah.
1: Just really kind of bring that out of guys. Um, but I don't know. It'll be interesting. I, I kind of expect an improvement on defense. I think they're better.
0: I mean, McNair kind of spoke on it as well, their defense. And he's just like, you know, we brought in a new defensive-minded head coach last year. And it was the first season. Then the only season with this new defensive scheme with him and Jordy. Yeah. It's like it, he's like, that takes time to like everyone to get used to. So the second year with Fernandez and Brown, with most of the same, I mean, basically the same guys, the same starting lineup, mm-hmm. and not, maybe not the same role players, but you know, very several same role players. So he made it seem like, all right, like there's going to be an improvement this year because. He, he I think it was McNair just being like, all right, like last year, defense wasn't great. New system. And, you know, it's not like he's just making an excuse. That is a reason probably why the Kings weren't the best on defense, but it sounds like McNair is expecting big improvements this year.
1: And I think McNair should think that because two out of his three big pickups this season, off season, their impact, I mean, like you can make an impact. Obviously, is going to be great on the offensive end. You can obviously say that Duarte can be a two-way impact guy, but it's like Duarte and McGee. The way they're gonna really impact the team, I feel like the most is on defense. Yeah. You know, versatility for for Duarte, being kind of long, being able to play on the perimeter, played a couple of different positions. They're gonna really try to bring that out of him. And then McGee's actually offering a shot blocking presence. And again, Mike Brown's not huge on shot blocking, but he's agile. He moves well. He does all these things that you kind of saw Alex Len do. In a small sample size. And, I mean, you have to expect the defense to be better. If basically two out of your three big pickups this offseason are kind of defensive-centric. And I know, I'm not saying, you know, Tuarte's like a stopper or anything like that. But, two-way impact guy. We need more from defense. So, you know, it's one of those things. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, where do you think this defense ends up going? I mean, like, do you think they'll be... 14 15 16s do you think they'll be better than that do you think they'll be just outside of that do you think it'll be a repeat of last season do you think it'll be like them just jumping to the top of the league No
0: I mean I think they'll be between 15 and 20 That's that's fair just like, I think I, that's I, actually
1: I, probably the safest bet
0: Yeah I just I think they're going to improve I don't think they're just going to become like the like a top 10 defense in the league mm-hmm. or maybe even in the top half of the league in defense but I think they'll improve. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you can get around like 17, 18, it's like, and I mean, I, I really don't see their offensive or their offense
1: declining. No. If anything, it's going to get better. Yeah.
0: So it's just like, I mean, it's, defense is where it's at. So, I mean, if they can improve their defense by eight spots, then I mean, I can see them walking away with that third city kind of really. They can They have it in them.
1: They could freaking honestly. I mean, they could be the two seed. They, I mean, if something happens to Denver, why not the one? Yeah. I mean, Denver's clearly the best team in the league, um, but man, <laughs> man, that dynamic offense. I mean, like, I li- i can't wait for the Kings and Nuggets to play. Like, that's going to be really a hell of a sign. Um, I don't know. I'm just excited for this Kings team. And media day, we're talking so much crap about media day, but I got to <laughs> be honest, after watching all these interviews and talking and kind of like considering things that you don't always consider because you're hearing from so many different voices, journalists and players included... And it's just like, this is going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> we knew it was going to be fun last season. There just was something different. Mm-hmm. Clearly the trade with Sabonis, they they set him on a path where they, this is a team that hasn't some form of an identity, some form of a direction. And now it's just like, everybody knows they're going up. They got to the, get there. The difference between this year and last year was that last year, the, I mean, the goal
0: and the expectation was to break that playoff drought and we broke it. So now it's like, Sky's the limit.
1: That's now. what, yeah. And what Fox said was like, well, now our goal is not just to win a playoff series and then lose. That's not the next goal. The goal is championship. Yeah. And Fox said it after the Warriors series, like, this was a blessing and a curse to play the Warriors. And he kind of touched upon that again by saying, like, we learned so much from that series. So much that, I mean, you would have learned anything in losing a playoff series, but to lose to a team that's done it before and that really brought every adjustment that, they could possibly bring to screw with you guys, and they were pretty successful at it in various ways. And it's just like, yeah, the experience is there, the the, the knowledge is there. So they're excited, we're excited, you're excited, and we ain't just talking about book club. <laughs> I'm so psyched for book club. I wanna, I wanna join the book club. Dude, I
0: wanna see what you is up to.
1: I'll be reading some like. <laughs> <laughs> I probably shouldn't say what I was about to say. Um, But, uh, you know, we're talking about, like, this team being deeper and whatnot. We're talking about a 7-8-9. Well, 8-9-10 man rotation, 7-8-9 in the playoffs. Some guys are not going to play. Is there anybody – I don't want to, like, get into what the rotations are going to look like. Things are going to change throughout. But with the deeper team and whatnot, is there anybody that was entrenched in the rotation last season? Do you think might – not necessarily lose a spot in the rotation, but – Lose significant minutes. to other guys. I mean, the only two
0: that I can really think of. More like one. I don't know. I mean, I this is what I'm going to say. So, Lynn end of the season as the backup center. I think he might lose that with the addition of McGee and with Lyles's.
1: Yeah, moreover that the more same more yeah. yeah like yeah
0: Lyles being a guy who can probably play the small ball five and. Very successful at playing the small ball five. Um, I, I don't think Lyles will really lose that many minutes. No, Lyles uh, is going to be on the floor no matter yeah, what. Even with the addition of Sasha, and then I, I mean, I don't even know if this counts, but I guess Kessler Edwards. Uh, yeah, that
1: counts because
0: I mean he he, he kind of came in late with the tra- at the trade deadline, and
1: he was you know he
0: he he did too, he didn't do too bad, and he got some minutes, but I mean with bringing in Duarte and. Even Colby Jones a little, um, and even you know Jeremy Lamb might make the team. So he's a proven NBA vet. So I don't really see Edwards playing that much this year.
1: No, it'll be probably spot minutes. If the defense is really bad. I see
0: him being like yeah, like a Kaziak Paula as he was like earlier yeah. last year. And that's and better. that's
1: not a diss because we're not comparing. No, like obviously Kessler Edwards is an NBA player. I'm not sure Kaziak Paula is. But a guy I, I always think about is just Davion. And I think just the addition, and we're talking about Duarte being a two-way impact guy. Sure. If Duarte can spread the floor more and then bring it in. Maybe he, he might have to play the best defense of his career, but it's like he's already a pretty sound defender. And he's versatile and he's longer than him. I can see Chris Duarte kind of like, especially, I mean, it's almost like Duarte would really have to like, be putting him in a position where he's putting himself in the closing lineup, which may be taking minutes away from guys like Malik Monk or Kevin Herter. But you you think about the two way impact. And we were talking about it last week. There's so much involved for, for Davion to be the guy that you want him to be. And obviously he's a weapon defensively, but if you can't space the floor, I mean, you have to score points too, to win a game. So that two way impact could really kind of balance things out and, I don't know. I mean, like we're talking about how much it's important for Davion to to hit shots, and I think with Duarte there, that just really underlines that even more.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't, I didn't really think about that, but I mean, and the kind
1: of foregoing of a backup point guard, and the fact that Duarte is kind of up there with Malik Monk in the sense that these guys can handle the ball, they can create yeah. for other people. So that's true, and. And Mitchell might be, you know, he's the point guard out of those three, and you might be able to make the argument that he's the worst facilitator out of those three. I think we've seen signs from him that he can be a pretty good facilitator, but a lot of that does come from shooting. Does that unlock your game, your ability to drive to the hoop, kick it out, kick it to this guy, dump it off? A lot of it just comes down to shooting, and Duarte's obviously got a baseline there that's better than than Mitchell. and. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens there.
0: That is a good point. I
1: mean, I kind of wrote that in that article about the best case scenario and worst case scenario for Duarte. I mean, that is not a best case or worst case scenario. That's kind of a very reasonable reality mm-hmm. that he could be taking minutes from Davion Mitchell. Yeah. So, come on, Davion, yeah. get involved in the book club. Center your mind,
0: Davion. Man, I don't know. He, I feel like out of all the mixtapes I've seen <laughs> this off season. Seems like he's putting in the most work. He's really trying to improve his game. He's out there daily trying to better himself. So, he's really putting himself out there. I love Davion. I love his work ethic. I think that's why he was drafted, because of that work ethic. Yeah. Like He was a great defender. But, I mean, that one can only get you so far. True. Um, True.
1: One of the things that was interesting about Davion's interview is he, the demeanor that he was talking with felt a little bit looser. He felt a little more... Vibrant and a little less like constrained. And yeah, I know he's like I was. I was asking him like, did he? W- he wasn't tatted up last year, and like he's all tatted up and shit. I mean, he's he, hopefully he's coming at it with a new sense of confidence. He's he's been very forthcoming about his weaknesses being exposed in that series. He knows it better than anybody. I he's in danger of losing minutes, but I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back with a resounding answer and has yeah. the best season of his career. I mean, I hope he has the best season of his career. Wanna yeah. keep building upon things. Mm-hmm. So you're in danger, Davion, but you're also even putting yourself to be in the position if you start shooting again, it's like if you just shoot thirty five percent be enough of a threat. You could be in the closing lineup every night. Yeah.
0: With that Press defense. Defender. Yeah. I oh, mean goodness. He he's definitely like a wild card going into the season. Like is he yeah. gonna improve or is he just gonna be all defense and mm-hmm. you know. It's it's all about shooting for him and it's either gonna lock his game or just keep him like a bible type of player, yeah, like a great defender. But exactly, it's hard to play you when yeah. you're only you know you don't really have much on offense other than you know true at thirty percent three point
1: shot. Yeah, so that'll be interesting to kind of see. Mm-hmm. What else we got here? I have a question for you. Yeah, and then you can answer this. You can it can be a stat, it can be a player, it could be a, a, a dynamic to the team. What's the strength of this team? What do you like about it the best? What do you think is kind of like a thing about it specifically? Like, I don't want you to say their offense, but like something specific. And it doesn't have to be, again, a thing on the floor. What's specific about them that makes them stand out?
0: To me, honestly, it's it's like, it's the locker room. I think they have a good camaraderie on this team. I just think, and even going into last season with new players and Herter and Sabonis kind of being new, yeah, he was there at the end of last season, but... I just think they have a really good locker room. I don't think there's like a cancer in that locker room. I feel like they all want to be there. The beam, I feel like was (laughs) as stupid as the beam kind of is in its way. I mean, I love it. So, I mean, don't dog on me, but it's just like, they're like, we're the, we're the beam team. We're like Mm -hmm. the beam. We broke this playoff drought. Mm -hmm. I feel like their core group of guys. I mean, I just think they're, but they, just, they have good chemistry. I guess that's the word, chemistry. Good
1: identity all in on it's the same goal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think I would go with the same thing because it's like you talk about the team running it back, as everybody says, that the continuity. And that means so much in terms of that stuff. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, too, it, it facilitates what I think is the greatest strength, which is the accountability. There's a widespread accountability to this team. They always talk about it like, well, the, the prime example of it is Mike Brown calling out Ke- uh, Keegan Murray midseason for getting zero rebounds. And he always uses the phrase, you know, I'm in there cussing him out. And Darren Fox used that same phrase today. He's, you know, coaches cussing us out. Hey, but it doesn't hurt anybody. Everybody wants that constructive criticism, there's accountability. They want that goal. I agree. I think this is a strong locker room. I think, you know, obviously they, it's not like a team, again, like the Nuggets that have won a championship together, but it's like, man. It's good feelings coming from this team, and they... It, it's like, in terms of the constructive criticism thing, like, you saw so many arguments on the bench at the end of... Not from the Kings, but from other teams. At the end of the season, in the playoffs, you know, these teams just hating each other. Not the, the teams, but people on the, the team, like, not taking criticism from people. Not really being all in on the goal, but clearly, if you're going to be taking things personally. And it's just mm-hmm. like... I... I could never imagine that ever happening with this Kings team. It'd have to be years down the line. You'd have to thrust in there some kind of a personality that's not good. And uh, yeah, I don't know. And
0: I mean, and give credit to McNair mm. for that. He drafts, he drafts very well. Yeah, and he only signs high quality guys. True. I mean, that's. I think that's a big reason he wanted Barnes back. Yeah. I mean, not, I mean, there wasn't a lot of other small forwards in the, at that time, but. He just fit that locker room very well. And yeah. probably same with going after Sabonis. Yeah. There was a lot of guys that he could have gone after in that trade deadline. Uh, I mean, Julius Randle was a the name. Um, there's a couple other names I can't think of. But mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't really know about Sabonis' personality. But bringing him in now, it's like, it just seems like a nice guy. And yeah, like he's a hosting, guy who people,
1: wants- hosting people at his house. Yeah,
0: yeah. So yeah. a credit to McNair on that. He's building a very high quality
1: team. Yeah.
0: high-quality men.
1: Yeah. They all want the same thing. It's just fantastic. I mean, like, again, it's like you see it embodied in so many different guys. You see it in Herder. You see it in Sabonis. You see it in Fox. You see it in Trey Lyles. Yeah. You see it in all these guys. and Yeah, that, that might be one of the biggest joys about this team. The human connection. Yeah. It's nice. They They don't take things personally. They all... No need to beat the dead horse here. That's definitely, I think, one of the strengths of this team. And it's just like what they do on offense, the improvements they make on defense. That'll really thrust them forward. It'd be fantastic to see what happens there. Mm -hmm. But we are headed towards NBA action. I mean, preseason action. But it's here. It's Saturday. Up in Vancouver against the Raptors. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything in mind that you'd like to, 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 to see in that game? I just exited out of the freaking list that I
0: had. No, <laughs> let's see where it is. Um, man, off the top of my head, not really. I guess, I guess I'm just more excited to see this team back in action. I think the game will bring more questions um, for me to bring next time we talk. But True. I mean, I'm excited to see Vezinkov or Vezinkov, 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 Vezinkov. Say it three times. Vezinkov, Vezinkov, Vezinkov. Um, excited to see what <laughs> how he actually fits on an NBA floor. Yeah, And I think I'm excited to see, I mean, the new guys, of course, like McGee and Duarte, but again, we a guy we touched on is Davion Mitchell. How does that shot look? This is shot like different. He's been working with Steph Curry's shooting coach and Steph Curry a little. Like, how much is this actually going to like change this guy's shot? Because as we said, like five minutes ago, a lot depends on how this
1: guy shoots the rock. Yeah. Well, that'd be a great opportunity to see. And in, in terms of Vizinkov, it's like, Mike Brown said it. It's like, yeah, I like the team on paper. It'd be interesting to see what happens when the lights come on. And that's really the big thing. You hear that from a lot of coaches throughout sports. And it'd be interesting to see what happens there for Vizankov, both defensively and offensively. The Duarte role, how's he going to be utilized? I mean, that's the thing. It's like Duarte, in a similar way to Trey Lyles, is just kind of like, doesn't matter if someone in this position is doing well. Like, well, he can squeeze over here. Oh, and then something's happened over here. It's he squeezed back over here. There's such a versatility there, so I don't even know if that'll be like a solid answer in terms of Duarte's role. That'll probably be ever changing mm-hmm. um he might settle down once the season starts, but and then there's obviously Murray kind of putting the ball on the floor, playing more of a kind of a being playing more at the three, being able to create for himself and others and whatnot. I mean that's gotta be another one that's that's very interesting. Um, And then obviously seeing guys that are a little more periphery, Kessler Edwards, Colby Jones, things like that. See what what they can do. Um, See what the center splits are like between like Glenn and McGee and whatnot. It'd be Mm -hmm. interesting to kind of get a viewpoint of, I mean, they're all going to be asked the same things. I mean, another thing about McGee that's interesting is McGee likes the fact that in this offense, he's going to touch the ball. He said, for a big Mm -hmm. man, especially not a scoring-centric big man, just touching the ball. Just getting the ball in your hands for a second is, like, exciting. So he gets him
0: energized.
1: And it's one of those things, too, where it's like, well, can McGee show something in terms of being able to... Like you saw in Summer League, it's like they wanted... uh, Keda. you got to carry the ball up at the top of the, whatchamacallit, read the freaking play, and then make the pass. He didn't really do that all that well. I'd be interested to know because you don't really I don't really know if you saw that so much from Len. It was more pick and roll, kind of like a little bit d h o roll kind of thing. Um, be interesting to see if McGee can bring some kind of a passing element.
0: yeah, it's a good question you
1: know because he's seen so much he's the oldest player on the team and he's he's got a demeanor about him, and he's clearly got an excitement about being able to play in this offense being able to touch the ball more. I think that'll be kind of interesting to see.
0: Yeah, I think so too. He did bring that up. I'm like, oh, is he going to pass the ball a little? So, like you said, I mean, he, if anyone, he's the oldest guy on the team. Been around the league for a minute. Yeah. He can read a defense. I mean, if anyone can. Mm-hmm. Maybe not him, probably Sabonis, but he's up there on the list. So, interesting to see how they use their centers. Yeah. Maybe- Especially a guy like McGee, where he's like, on a stretch where you had Metu out there and he didn't shoot a lot of threes, but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't feel like that's the reason I didn't like Metu. It's like, what's he doing out there? That so, was so weird. It's like an undersized center who's not going to shoot.
1: It was, it was weird because it's like we always call, I always read the joke. It's a Mezzy Mamba because he has <laughs> that like mentality where he just wants to put up shots. And at the end of that season prior to last, it's like he ended the season, I think shooting like 37, 38% from three in the yeah. last like 10, 15 games. And it was like, oh man, that could be real key. And then when you find out, it's like, oh, he played the majority of games of the backup five, but didn't shoot at all. In fact, he was hesitant to shoot. Yeah. That was so weird. It was weird. He so, was all screwed up, unfortunately, at that point.
0: Yeah. So I'm interested to see how they actually use the centers this year.
1: Yeah. Actual size. Yeah. Actual Two, size. two
0: seven-footers for A- their backups.
1: Acceptance of their role. Mm-hmm. Comfort with the situation. Yeah. They both want to be here. McGee wanted to come be with Brown. Len was... Probably had other options, but he wanted to be back. Kings wanted him back. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, we don't get our training camp competition at center, but there's still intrigue there. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's in Lynn.
0: I mean, Lynn is. We're talking a lot of talk on McGee, but I mean, Lynn ended the season very well. So good. And I mean, he's been here longer. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I. You could see him just still taking those minutes.
1: Len blew me away because he just came out and, like, I was making so many assumptions about him because he's not playing. It's like, oh. And there were a couple of moments out there early in the season where he got some time, or here and there where was just like, he doesn't really move all well. He doesn't really have like a good instinct as to where to go. He kind of looks lost out there at times. Yeah. And then he came out there and he just, he, he moved better than I ever remembered him moving. And it's just like, yeah, I don't know seems like they're pretty, even regardless if they scrapped a uh, competition that included Nemus Kada not really an NBA player in my mind. No, um, not really. A it's almost just like, yeah, it's still a lot to work with There's still a lot of good, but I'm excited. Basketball will be back. Get basketball back up in Vancouver, BC. Yeah. That'll be fun.
0: It's going to be fun. And then about three weeks later, it's the first game on the 25th. Yeah.
1: It's freaking here, man. It's a,
0: it's approaching rapidly.
1: It's freaking here. We're about there. Now let's check the time stamp on the podcast. Okay, we're doing, we're doing... We're about there. I think this is a good way to close. I think so, too. I don't hell. need to beat the, you know, the hell out of this thing. Media Day, you know, if you're going to watch some interviews, listen to Monks and JaVel McGee's, maybe Vizankov, Fox. Those are some good ones to watch.
0: Yeah, I think so as well.
1: But it was definitely... The, the whole uh, Media Day vibe is just like... Let's get us
0: over with. Let's yeah. get let's get to basketball. Let's get to training camp. Let's get a preseason. So Yeah. And hey, it's coming up quick, so
1: Yeah. But good stuff.
0: Good stuff. I mean that's all we got today. I want to thank you as always for tuning in and until next time. Have a good one.